Beware, Scott. When the moon is full. Oh no, not again. It's a hairy situation. I'll die if anyone sees me like this. Hey man, say, don't be shy if it happens to you. <sighs> Hi, Grandpa. Good morning, Scotty. It's fun being different if you have a healthy attitude. Only my friends Booth and Styles know my hairy secret. I'm feeling hairy and my teeth are mean. I got a weird complexion and I, I want to scream. <laughs> Teen Wolf coming out to play. Welcome back to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, but this week, it's not Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. It's Saturday Night Movie Guestovers. And we have a, a very special guest. You know him from F This Movie. And uh, we're talking to Patrick Bromley. Hello. Thanks for having me. And uh, this is part two of a very exciting uh, show crossover, two-parter, where if you haven't listened to it yet... Over on F This Movie, we talked about the 1985 werewolf classic, in our opinion anyway, Silver Bullet. And today we're looking at another 1985 werewolf classic called Teen Wolf. And I don't know if anybody's seen that one, but it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a great film. Now, what, I, what people that don't follow you on Twitter don't realize is that you are a spitting image of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> I refuse to change my Twitter avatar because I'm obsessed with Michael J. Fox and have been my entire life. And uh, this in the in the in our previous episode of uh, this crossover, <laughs> we talked uh, a little bit about we we share a mutual love, uh, early love for werewolves. And so this movie was certainly one that I remembered coming out uh, in 1985, and I remember my mom taking me to see it at the movie theater. Uh, do you recall your first viewing of Teen Wolf? I do, because I did not get to see it in a movie theater. When I was a kid, we maybe saw one movie a year theatrically, which was devastating for me because all I wanted to do was see movies. And it was like, oh, your favorite thing? Yeah, we do that once a year. So <laughs> we had already blown our family movie wad going to see Back to the Future. And oh. so by the time Teen Wolf came out, it was like, nope. Uh, so I remember renting it off of what was then called Viewer's Choice, which was essentially just pay-per-view. And they would have, you know, six movies a month, eight movies a month, basically. And Teen Wolf was one of them. So as soon as it showed up on Viewer's Choice, I, you know, spent my allowance, the $6 or whatever it was to rent it, and had my VHS tape ready and recorded it so that I could watch it over and over again. Um, and then there's a 
a tragic postscript to that story, which is one night we were not going to be home on like a Thursday night. And so my family recorded the Thursday night lineup of NBC, like Cosby Show, Night Court, those shows, (laughs) and over my copy of Teen Wolf. So we got to the end of like Night Court and all of a sudden we had recorded it in like the wrong speed. So it erased most of Teen Wolf. All that was left was like the basketball game at the end. And I was legitimately devastated. And even though I was eight years old, I still remember it to this day. The horrible feeling in my stomach when I realized we had taped over Teen Wolf. That's tragic. (laughs) I think all of us in uh, Sleepover Movie Land, we feel your pain. Right? My struggle is real. (laughs) I could not have been more excited about it. But as as somebody who grew up wanting to be Michael J. Fox and being obsessed with werewolves, I was like, this movie is for me. This is both things that I love. Um. I forgot to mention this, too, when we talked about Silver Bullet on F This Movie. I love werewolves. I love werewolf movies. I hate transformation scenes. Interesting. <laughs> they, because they look like they hurt, and it upsets me. <laughs> so I don't like American Werewolf in London, the greatest transformation scene ever, the reason they like invented an Oscar for Rick Baker. Uh, I don't like watching that because it's like, oh, that seems like it really hurts. So often at times <laughs> I will just kind of skip through that scene. I can't watch it. That's. Uh, have you talked about this with your therapist? <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I love vampire movies, but I can't watch a dude drink blood. Like It's the reason <laughs> to watch these movies, and yet that's the part that I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't watch that. I remember when I was in uh, college with Dion. I think that was even the year that we were roommates when we had first met. Uh, the big, the big, you know, night. The big thing for 2017 is coming up August of this year is the 20th anniversary that Dion and I have been friends. So cool. it's kind of a big, big year for us. But I remember, so probably that was 97. So probably 98. I remember there was an, we, we were avid monster vision watchers with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. And I remember there was an episode where they did, he did Teen Wolf and the fly. It was like a metamorphosis double feature. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, that's a hell of a double feature. It was kind of towards the end where you could tell he was just like fed up with TNT <laughs> and the movies they were making him, making him do like, you know, look who's talking to. Yeah, right. I, I remember Joe Bob when he was still on the movie channel and he could show uncut movies. That was when I really was into Joe Bob. I don't know that I ever, I mean, I definitely watched his TNT show, but like, I think by then I had kind of tuned out and most of my Joe Bob viewing came when he was still on pay cable yeah but uh for me i remember there was a there's a there's a bar there's a large chunk of movies of my childhood that we went to see at the movies especially if my mom was taking me to the movies where we would walk in late and i'd miss like the first 10 minutes of the movie like Die Hard, for instance, like he's already at Nakatomi Plaza. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it wasn't you don't even you don't even get to hear the cure for jet lag. <laughs> it wasn't uh. even until like I was in college where I saw like the first <laughs> ten minutes of that movie. <laughs> and same with this was another one. Uh, Howard the Duck was one we walked in late, and uh, my mom, uh, bless her heart, we we she sat with me through Howard the Duck. We missed the first few minutes. 
And then I was so in love with it at the, the time that we watched it that we sat in the movie theater until it started again. Oh my and then gosh. we ended up watching the whole movie again. That's hardcore. So my, so my mom watched Howard the Duck two times Twice in a row. In a row. <laughs> wow. And then I remember watching it and realizing like we only really missed like the first three minutes of it. It was barely anything that we missed. Were you in time for the duck boobs? No, we weren't. That not was the, the, not the first. That was the so one thing we viewing. You were like, ah, that's what I. Oh, came this for. is what we missed. <laughs> and so uh, this movie, it took me a long time to figure out that you know he missed the free throw and they lost the game in the beginning of the movie. Right. So that's my big uh, memory of seeing this in the movies is missing the the beginning <laughs> of it. I had a I I recorded you know all my movies growing up were just movies that I recorded off of cable and I had a recorded copy of Ferris Bueller that I missed the beginning and so and I watched that copy so many times and now anytime I watch Ferris Bueller I'm like what is this nonsense at the beginning of the movie <laughs> like, oh right this is the opening of the movie and I just had never seen it because it wasn't on my copy yeah well you know back then it was. My mom didn't have a, we didn't have, my mom didn't have cable and we didn't have a VCR. Um, my dad had both. But uh, even if we weren't renting a movie, you know, back then, if you caught a movie on TV or on cable or something, you know, you very rarely were catching it from the beginning. So right. you're always kind of coming into it at some point later. And I think that's why it took me so long to see the beginning of so many of these movies, like this one and Die Hard and stuff. Um, it wasn't until many years later where I was like, Oh, that is that what's going on in this? Him missing the free throw informs his entire character. Well, it does in a weird way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes and no. I don't know if it does. Um, I feel bad because I, I mean, I don't know what your feelings are about Teen Wolf because we haven't really talked about it, but yeah, yeah. We're both kind of going in cold on this one. I've seen it a lot. Like I definitely watched it a ton as a kid because again, it's Michael J. Fox. It's werewolves. It's uh, to use your expression, very watchable, <laughs> but yeah. I don't think it's very good. <laughs> like I, I don't, I think even as an eight year old, when I saw this movie and maybe it's because it was coming off of back to the future. And that's my favorite movie ever, Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, but I remember even as an eight-year-old watching Teen Wolf, liking it, but still feeling like feeling like this might be beneath you, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, well, there's this part of like, this is his second movie? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you're going to follow up Back to the Future with this? With the, in the same year. Yeah, even, right, right, right. And he had shot it first. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure he wasn't thrilled when he was in the biggest movie of the year. And it's like, oh, now Teen Wolf is coming out? Oh, cool. Uh, I, too, am a huge lover of Back to the Future. Um, I, have, I have on many occasions said that I believe that it is the best movie ever made. Because it is. Even though... Even though I'm not sure I would say it's my favorite movie of all time, but okay. I think it is a solid, airtight yeah. script and uh, execution. Um, and we look forward to the day where we do it on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. There's some movies that are so big that we have yet to get to because we want to make sure that we have like the time yeah. to prepare for it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's movies that I stay away from because I'm like, I can't do justice for how I feel about this movie, so I'm not going to try. So we've never done Back to the Future. <laughs> but uh, I 
I I really like this movie. I mean, I don't obviously I don't like it in the same way that I like Silver Bullet. Have we just talked about right uh, a couple of days ago on your podcast? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think you know part of part of the part of the thing of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers is obviously we do movies that we have a great fondness for, but. We also, the beauty of doing the show for me is re-watching these movies, yes, in a way of like, I'm going to watch it and talk about it, so I have to pay like extra attention to right. it and think about it. But also, part of at least my process is like, I'm going to try to re-watch this, either one, try to like, try to rewatch it with like fresh eyes, or two, like really embrace the things that I love about it and like really celebrate those things when I watch it this time, because this whole show that we do is about nostalgia. Right. Even when we, we criticize a movie uh, f- for things that aren't great. I mean, it, it, it's never, you know, we, we try to be very loving and it's, it's a thing that I think works for the show, but it's a thing that works for us. As like viewers, when we get to rewatch these movies, like okay, like I'm gonna put on like my eighty nineteen eighty five, you know, like seven year old <laughs> goggles and just like experience this movie. Um, and so, like watching it in that way, I mean, I know I don't think I ever watched this movie in like a critical like right. oh, like this movie is not that great. I mean, in my youth, and by by youth I mean like early 20s early to mid 20s um i certainly was like more critical and a bit more of an asshole about movies i see what you're saying (laughs) but now that i'm you know in my mid to late 30s you know i don't have time (laughs) for that life's too short (laughs) well i always find it so I find it funny, like when you're on Twitter, and so many of the horror fans and the film fans are are, are like young people, and you know, there's these discussions about people get very bent out of shape. I was like, ah, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, and I've had that too, where people are being just—I I don't want to use the word pretentious, but you know, early twenties, and they're talking about movies in this way that's so pretentious, and I have to just be like, eh, okay, I was that age once too, I guess. Yeah, like, I I've kind of moved past it, and now I just like what I like. With with Teen Wolf, it's the kind of thing where, like, it's when I take a step back, as you said, and think, you know, critically or objectively about it. I'm like, oh, this movie is probably not very good, but I can't. I've seen it so many times. Um, that I can't divorce myself from the eight-year-old me watching it. You know what I mean? So it's not yeah, the yeah. kind of thing where, like, I'm suddenly my eyes are w- opened to the fact that, like, wait a second, Teen Wolf doesn't totally work because it doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, it's just like, yeah, this is the movie that I saw a hundred times as an eight-year-old, and so I'm always going to have that weird affection for it the way that like every time you eat a mcdonald's cheeseburger you're like yep this is what it tastes like (laughs) yeah well you know uh, look clearly you know whatever flaws it has and it certainly has flaws i mean it's uh 
it's it's not without its flaws. Um, you know, part of what we do on the show is that we try to give some background. There's actually not a lot of background to find on this movie. No, not but, really. Uh, but uh, you know, the word on the street is that because of the success of Valley Girl of of all movies, the studio decided that they wanted to make like a fast, cheap comedy. And so they ended up uh, hiring Jeff Loeb and Matthew Weissman, who are the team that brought us Commando, <laughs> uh, another Saturday Night Movie sleepover classic. Absolutely. Uh, and Jeff Loeb has gone on to work with Marvel and DC on like all kinds of incarnation of uh, superhero type stuff. And so they ended up making Teen Wolf for a million dollars, roughly a million dollars in like 21 days. No, not to say that if they had more time and more money, like they, <laughs> like they would have like given us the teen, the teen the werewolf definitive epic. teenage werewolf film. <laughs> but I think a lot of uh, a lot of the filmmaking flaws, the technical stuff that we see, like repeated shots right. that become pretty evident as right. you watch it now. Um, I think a lot of that stuff probably would have been eliminated with either reshoots or or more time uh, given. It was directed by Rod Daniel who has directed lots of TV, just like Daniel Adius, which we talked about in Silver Bullet. Um, maybe not as big of a prestigious career as Dan Adius <laughs> in television, but uh, he also went on to, Rod Daniel also went on to direct K-9 in 1998. <laughs> I mean, 1989. Right. The Super Oof. in 1991. And uh, Beethoven Second in 1993. Teen Wolf uh, remains his best movie. <laughs> And like although, father, like son. Although uh, there's a lot of came, a lot of a lot of people came back for for K nine. Well, I sure. Think the guy that did the music, I think, also did K nine music. Uh, <laughs> we got to get the team back together. <laughs> Miles Goodman. I signed uh, the lesser Belushi and Jerry Lee the dog. <laughs> you um, had me at lesser Belushi, Rod <laughs> Daniel. Where do I sign? <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Teen Wolf. It's um, it's not the first movie to explore the teenage werewolf. Uh, of course, we have. Uh, I was a teenage werewolf with Michael Landon from 1957, and I do remember, like, in my throes of of uh, werewolf mania as a child in the mid 80s, uh, that we talked a little bit about uh, in the Silver Bullet cast that we did. Uh, I talk about being in love with werewolves and of course on this show I've talked about my love for werewolves and the show Werewolf from from the late 80s. Yes. Um and my mom making my mom take me to the library to take out books about werewolves and and making her photocopy things but there was always the picture of Michael Landon as the teen as the teenage werewolf. From yeah. I was a teenage werewolf. Especially when this movie came out I remember there were a lot of I don't know I don't think marketing was <laughs> is the word, but I do remember there was like imagery that was being shown and talking about how uh, this was not the first time. But then also, of course, the great Larry Cohen made Full Moon High in 1981, <laughs> starring Adam Arkin. Yeah, and Ed McMahon, werewolf. right? Yes, and Ed McMahon yeah. as his dad. Uh, and but you know, up till 1985. You could arguably say that Teen Wolf was the quintessential teenage werewolf movie. Well, here's my question about Teen Wolf. And again, I'm not trying to be overly critical or overly analytical, but as yes, I revisited this movie the other day. The whole I, show's going to unravel if you start doing No, that. listen. Um, I was like, most werewolf movies 
are using the werewolf as a metaphor to explore, you know, the darker side, man's animal nature, or in, in the case of I was a teenage werewolf, it's very much about adolescence and kind of yeah, puberty sure. and we're going through changes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and like ginger snaps kind of. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Teen Wolf, like, the when he becomes a wolf, it's like, oh, he's good at basketball. Like, it is not using, and I'm not saying that this goofy million-dollar comedy, like, needs to use the werewolf as a metaphor for anything, but even a puberty metaphor, when you have a guy who's growing hair in weird places in high school... You you would think that that's kind of a no brainer, but it's really just like ah, and being a werewolf makes him popular. It, it's just such a weird way to use the werewolf as just a way to explore like popularity as opposed to any of the other ideas. Again, I'm not holding these things against the movie. It's just one of the few werewolf movies I can think of where it's actually not saying anything. It's just like oh yeah, he's a werewolf. He's good at basketball, and people like him. Yeah, well. I mean, obviously, I I see your point. I mean, there's the you know early on in the in the first act <laughs> of the film, there are kind of you know they are trying to make that kind of that parallel and you know he's he is getting hair in weird places right and he's like you know uh, he doesn't want to talk to his dad about it and his dad's like you know I, and Boof is like you can talk to me about anything and. <laughs> We need, um, we need to talk about Boof. <laughs> and I would, believe me, we could talk this whole show about Boof. It's one of my favorite Tilda Swinton movies. Uh, we need to talk about Boof. <laughs> but, uh, so I, there, I think early on, it seems like they're going that direction. And then you're right, ultimately, it doesn't really become that. And it instead becomes like this story where they... Yeah, you're right. They use it for popularity, but I wouldn't say that they use it for nothing. Ultimately, what he has to learn as the protagonist of the movie, his need is to learn that you know right. just being Scott is okay, right? Is good enough, right? And so, you know, there it, it does represent something. It's just maybe not representing like they didn't take the full potential of the werewolf right. thing, right? Right. <laughs> it's it's he he he. he Embraces the wolf to gain popularity. <laughs> right. And then ultimately learns that I'm not the wolf, I'm Scott, and that's good enough. So, I mean, there is kind of a message there. Sure. It's, it is, it is, and it, it's like the same message that then would be... There was a whole rash of, like, teen monster movies, sort of, because... Well, the 80s was... I mean, this, just look at the 80s in general. I mean, there was, you had all the John Hughes stuff. Right. Um, the, and then you had like Christine, which we kind of talked, you know, briefly about, uh, in the silver bullet episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, teens, teen movies were, were becoming very popular in the eighties and this is definitely, um, among them. And like teen, Witch, not to get ahead of ourselves. And I had read that teen, Witch sort of morphed out of a possible teen wolf three, um, which then became Teen Witch with Robin Lively, and it explores the exact same idea. It's like she's a witch. What does she do? Eh, she becomes popular. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like I'm just fascinated by that. But this was apparently the main concern of 
the teenager, which I, I guess it is in some ways, right? Especially in the 80s, this idea of are you cool or not? And how does one become cool? Well, you become a werewolf. <laughs> well, you become... Uh... Well, you know, it's, it, it is a little bit of a mixed message because I was going to say, well, you become different, but being popular isn't about being different. It's about kind of conforming to what's cool. Right. Uh, but I think you're right in that, I mean, even if we, if I think back to, I mean, more so even junior high than high school, but like popularity and clicks and, I mean, it, it's going to always be a motif and cliche in teen movies because it's true. Right. I mean. It is a major concern at that age. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, it, this could have been anything. I mean, he could have been anything in this. I mean, it's it's the idea is that he becomes, he gets this, like, superpower. I mean, there's even, like, the little uh, nod to Spider-Man, where his dad's like, you know, when With you great wanted, power becomes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they basically say that. I'm surprised Stan Lee didn't sue. <laughs> yeah, the, the movie for stealing that line. <laughs> um, but essentially, like he does become. I mean, the beauty of Spider-Man uh, as a, as a character, and as and I'm a, a avid Spider-Man fan from as long as I can remember. But part of the beauty of Spider-Man is like, and for the reader is he's like he's this nerdy kid who can't tell everybody how cool he is, right? You know. And all us nerds reading Spider-Man comics and being into comic books, like we were like, yeah, nobody knows how awesome I am. <laughs> For know? me, it just was because I wasn't awesome. <laughs> you know, well, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe I wasn't either, but <laughs> but you know, you kind of the, the beauty of this movie is like, what if this is like, what if Spider-Man got to tell everybody that he was Spider-Man? Right, right. You know, like he gets this superpower of being a werewolf which magically allows this like five five guy be able to dunk basketballs <laughs> uh, and, and and throw strikes at the bowling alley uh, and and sniff out weed in the garage uh, yeah, i definitely did not pick up on what that was when i watched this as an eight-year-old oh, yeah, yeah. like, of- i'll bet i didn't know that he was trying to yeah. find drugs i thought styles was on the up and up <laughs> Well, there's even if you watch like I remember, you know, another movie that I have an, an enormous fondness for is The Karate Kid, and even now I watch. I'm like, I wonder what I, th- I wonder what I thought Johnny was doing in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, sitting in the stall. Right. Like, what, what did I think he was doing? Like rolling a cigarette. <laughs> um, and so I mean, I think that's kind of the weird appeal of this movie is you get to vicariously live through this guy who uh, has the superpower and, and gets to be the cool kid in school all right. of a sudden. It is one of those, uh, you got to love those 80s movie titles that the title literally tells you everything you need to know about the movie. I got it. He's a teen wolf. Okay, great. Go. <laughs> yeah. I know what this is. Perfect. I'm very Corman. Very Corman-esque. <laughs> Is, Show me the poster. Yeah. All right. right. Michael J. Fox with hairy hands. <laughs> Opening a shirt like the original <laughs> bad Photoshop, even though it's not. But like, again, I saw the poster. I remember in 85 and I was not a critical child, but I was like, oh, Marty McFly, this is beneath you. <laughs> um, is the Pam Booth debate the uh, the 1980s equivalent of the Betty Veronica debate? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine because I, I was telling him that we were going to do this movie. And I was like, because yeah, he was saying that. And I would imagine it's this way for a lot of people, especially of our generation, that like Pam and that scene in the dressing room was the very formative <laughs> yes, adolescent scene for yes, a lot of us. Yes, it was. <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of us have a fondness for this movie because of that <laughs> right. specifically. Uh, even though you don't see anything, I mean, it's very uh, titillizing, especially yeah. when you're a little kid. Yes. Uh, you know, it's probably, you know, I, you know, this was, came out in 85, but just before my birthday. So, I mean, I was either, you know, six or seven. And uh, and I don't know if I thought that way when I saw it in the movies, but obviously seeing it, you know, several times in the coming years after that, it certainly was. Uh, it, it's memorable. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because now when I look back on it, and sure, like Pam's, you know, she's pretty. But now when I watch it, I'm like, you know what? Like Boof's cute. Oh yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with Boof. <laughs> no, I, which was the original title of this movie, there's nothing wrong with Boof. Why they decided to name her Boof, I may never understand, and I don't need to, because I'm sort of glad that they did. Here's the thing I discovered the other night. So I've always been a, a Boof man. I've always been... You've been in, in Boof's corner? Team Boof. And I discovered watching this because i've always yeah i've always thought she was cute and the like seven minutes in heaven scene was kind of formative for me sure yeah as the dressing not as much as the dressing room but but uh i so i'm watching the movie the other night and we get to the scene and it's that long shot of them just walking home yeah which by the way uh is like like i love that shot it that, like that one take, yes. and it's the camera's so far away, and you got like that depth of field, and yes, it, and they're both so good in it, and they're like, "Hey, did you ever tell anybody about?" You know, it's such a beautiful. It's, I mean, it's one of those. It's one of the. It's one of my favorite movie moments in this movie for sure. Is that Absolutely, movie. it it does such a nice job of making their friendship feel believable and lived in, you know, and we really believe, oh, these these two really are old friends. But as I'm watching it the other night, and I hadn't seen this movie in years, it occurred to me that that scene informed, I think, my entire view of relationships growing up. Like, that was the thing that I was pursuing my entire life this idea of like this girl that you've been friends with and maybe there's something there and then one day you both realize yes there is and like you're having this romantic moment that isn't explicitly romantic and neither one of you is acknowledging it it's I swear to God, my entire life I was chasing that scene from Teen Wolf. Chasing and Boof. I was. I've been chasing <laughs> Boof my entire life, uh, to the point where, I mean, still to this day, my wife will talk about you know the, the brown-haired girl as this type that I have who's like such a Boof, and that is not my wife at all, you know, and, um. But she gives me a hard time because she knows that, like, 
I'm a boof man. <laughs> and, uh, it was just, Some, it was such a revelation. Somewhere your heart still belongs to boof. Yes, it was just such a revelation to realize, holy shit, like Teen Wolf is maybe the most formative movie of my entire life based <laughs> on just that scene. Like so much of my person has been informed by that scene in Teen Wolf. It was, it was like, it was like this suppressed memory that all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, my whole life has been building to this moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that shot is just happens to, you know, and obviously, look, I, I'm sure there's many people, I'm sure most people listening right now have seen Teen Wolf. And if you haven't seen it in a really long time, there's this shot where they're, are they walking home? I don't remember where, but this is one static shot where they're walking together towards the camera. And you're right. I mean, it's this beautiful moment that uh, really tells us as a viewer that there's history, that there's that they're friends, that they care about each other. Um, and it's all just like one take. And then they get to they walk into like a medium shot and then she kind of she leaves the frame. And it's this beautiful, simple it's beautiful in its simplicity, uh, technically wise. I mean, uh, you know, the ra- the focus puller was earning his keep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy that guy deserves a raise uh, for keeping them in focus as they walk towards the camera. Uh, but like Silver Bullet, you know, the the biggest, you know, the relationships we talked about in that movie on F this movie. Um, being the strength and what we're drawn to in that movie is, is Marty and Janie and uncle red and, and their, their love for each other. And ultimately how, what happens in the movie brings them all together and saves red, which is something we didn't really talk about. Like ultimately, like it seems like red's off his, you know, self-destructive path maybe by the end of the movie, but this movie in teen wolf, it's like that relationship with Boof is, what's like holding this movie together from like just falling apart at the seams. No, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and y- nowadays, I don't know as a kid, whether I thought it, but nowadays I watch it and you're like, you see that you're like, why don't you just love Boof? God damn it. <laughs> right. Well, that's she redeems him in every way because as much as I love Michael J. Fox, like Scott Howard is, He's not like a bad guy, but he's just kind of lost and doesn't know where he fits in. And he's on the basketball team. He maybe wants to quit and he's not the cool kid. And he's, you know, kind of short and Canadian. And Boof, the fact that Boof likes him so much automatically makes us like him. It's like, well, listen, if Boof sees something in him, I'm with Boof. She knows, Boof knows him way better than we do. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So there's got to be something in there. That's, Hashtag that's I'm with Boof. <laughs> I think you like you. Should, you should write. A, you know, I think your your memoir should be like chasing Boof. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, and you know, like you said, that shot, that one scene is like the best example of it. But it's throughout the whole movie, and um, and I think watching it now, it's it is what keeps bringing me back. To, watch, to watching this movie and loving it is that relationship between the two of them. You know, she's waiting for him on his porch when uh, he, he leaves his house and they do have that moment of like, you know, in the closet during the party, that seven minutes in heaven or whatever, <clears throat> where we see like a, a little bit of that explored 
of like what like a romantic connection with them could be until he wolfs out a little bit and gets a little <laughs> too frisky. Um, but ultimately it's, you know, even at the party, I mean, at the dance at the end, I mean, it's really, that's the, it's the heart of the movie and it's, right. and it's what makes this movie totally watchable. <laughs> <laughs> well, because as you said, it's, if it's a movie about understanding that just being Scott is enough, she's the one who's telling him that the entire movie, she's the one who does not care about the wolf who's not impressed yeah. by the wolf who won't only have dressing room sex with him when he's the wolf, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, Which I think even then I thought that was weird. No, no, it's definitely weird. Even as a kid thinking like, that's strange. <laughs> the whole, well, listen, the whole high school acceptance of him as being, I, somehow I never even put it together that like, Pam's boyfriend goes to a different school. Right? Yeah, well, I, why I, always, they, I, I think I always knew that because he's playing on the opposite team. But like, know? it doesn't make any sense, right? Exactly. But he's playing. If not for that, you wouldn't even know. You would just assume that he's the school bully and she's dating a guy from school. Or yeah, a college guy, really. <laughs> well, right. But then they have to set it up. Oh no, he goes to another school so that they can play each other in basketball. <laughs> By the yeah. way, that. Uh, I also find, um, you know, the thing that I'd never really remembered, you know, obviously I've seen the movie a million times, but watching it this time, really, like the scene where after the bowling and then he takes her back home and he's like, yeah, he's really ticked off. And he's like, well, he should be. I'm his, you know, he's my boyfriend. And he's like, what do you mean is your boyfriend? And, uh, and he's like, well, I was hoping I'd take you to dance. She's like, well, he's taking me. Like, I, it, it's really, I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> and I don't know what I like. What did I think of that, too? Like, did I think anything of it? Like, you watch it now. It's like it's pretty harsh, but also very, um, I don't know, atypical of that kind of movie, especially at that period where it's like she's just like openly having right. sex and going on a date where her boyfriend is. <laughs> right. And then still calling with, with a wo- with a wolf man, with a teen wolf. <laughs> I guess once one of the people is a wolf man, all bets are off. Because everything else, you're like, is that believable? Oh, right, he's a werewolf. But would she? Oh, right, he's a he's a teen wolf. And he's <laughs> just obviously he's not he's not okay with it, but he's okay with it enough to not let it break up the relationship. He loses his sense of direction when he becomes the wolf. He loses his moral compass. No, and, I'm talking about the oh the know, the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's not happy about it, but yeah, he still <laughs> takes her back willingly. Like, listen, I know you had to walk on the wild side a few times, but uh, I'm glad you're back for me who brings nothing. Yeah. Like, that wasn't the last straw of the relationship was making out, you know, kissing him and stuff right. at the bowling alley in front of him. <laughs> you can you can walk it back from there. Listen, relationships have come back from worse, I guess is that's, what I'm saying. That's true. I mean, maybe if it was just Scott, it wouldn't have come back. But it's like, okay, well, he's a werewolf. I get it, right. He's a wolf. I would do the same <laughs> if I was in your shoes. Um, the uh, the adult cast, I probably didn't appreciate enough as a kid because I was yeah. so caught up in the in the teen story. Um, the dad is, is fine. You know, he's uh, sweet and likable and... 
but the the two that stood out to me watching it as more of an adult i won't say as an adult but as more of an adult um the play director i think is just a great pompous douchebag and in particular the basketball coach yeah um jay tarsus is that who plays him and yeah plays coach he's stock he's really funny (laughs) <laughs> like every yeah. one of his scenes is really funny. Yeah, he's he's like he's gold in this movie. <laughs> he is just even like, ah, come on, you want a wing or something? Like, just he's offering <laughs> him. He's just eating chicken in front for no reason. It's just like this weird little touch, and all the bad stories he tells and the bad advice he gives. It's all really funny. Yeah, it's funny and totally believable in like in his delivery. Like you believe that he's that guy, right? Uh, like he doesn't read as false. I mean, he, cause in that he's so natural. Right. Um, and the funny thing is like, he's not even that, I mean, he's not even that big of an actor. He's more of like a producer and, and writer. Like he was, he was like one of the writers on like the great Muppet caper and take and Muppets take Manhattan and stuff. I mean, he doesn't even have like that huge of a resume as an actor. It's more like he developed television shows and wrote movies. And <laughs> it's stuff. like when Sidney Pollack would show up as an actor and stuff and be the best actor in the movie. And you're like, oh, my God, Sidney Pollack is such a good actor. <laughs> he shows up in Eyes Wide Shut and he's the best thing in that movie. And you're like, I want more with Sidney Pollack, the actor. But uh, yeah. Yeah. A movie that I love a lot is Tootsie. And he's so good in that. Too. He's so yeah. funny in that. Even in... Uh, isn't he the doctor in Death Becomes Her? Oh, it's been so. That's a, that Dion loves that movie. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I feel like he's the guy who's examining Meryl Streep and realizing that she's dead. I can't remember. I, I feel like it's him, though. Could be. Makes sense. I could see him in that part. <laughs> but again, the movie Teen Wolf sets up this world in which really none of the adults can be depended upon, right? Because we have the principal, we have the basketball coach, who's not a bad guy, but just kind of help, useless. We have the... Uh, play director who's you know kind of an ass and it's only scott's dad it's just it's one of these movies and it it, it, this is not unique to teen wolf it's true of almost every teen movie of that period where it's like the answers are so clearly in front of this character where like your dad cares about you and knows what's best for you and you should listen to him. Boof <laughs> clearly loves you and is a babe and you guys should be together, but you got to wait the whole movie for him to come around to like, oh yeah, my dad's right and Boof is awesome um, yeah. because they are the two guiding forces in his life, but he's not able to see it. Well, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, he's, he's key, you know, he's, uh, he's got the blinders on. And I think that's the way for a lot, but I think that's the way for a lot of teens. I mean, even, you know, when we were just talking about being kind of uh, pretentious about your movie watching in your early 20s. I mean, it's even worse when you're in your teens. You know, you think you know everything and yet you know nothing because you haven't lived yet, but you don't even realize that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's not for me, it wasn't even until I was getting close to 30 that I kind of realized that I was an asshole that didn't know anything. <laughs> I, I was actually having a, a kind of a, a Twitter exchange with another uh, Chicago guy, Mike Vanderbilt, who uh, writes oh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Um, 
Daily, Daily Grindhouse. Grindhouse. Yeah. And we were ta- we were having that this exchange about like, oh man. And I was like, I don't even know how Dion stayed friends with me when we met. <laughs> <laughs> like I was such a dick. <laughs> You know what you, you call know, that? Bl- you call that God, your Teen Wolf period. God bless him for like putting up with me. Like I, I look back and I'm like, man, what an asshole I was for so long about so many things. You were the wolf during those years. And, I uh, was. I was. See, the I wolf was, is a uh, metaphor. I was running away from Boof. <laughs> <laughs> Always run towards Boof. <laughs> towards Boof. In the closet with Boof. Uh, I, was, I was searching for my Pam, not accepting my Boof. <laughs> And like, I, I mean, I'm such a sucker for like movies where the characters who are friends realize, you know, like, oh, it's you I love, whether it's the Wonder Years or some kind of wonderful or any other property with the word wonder in the title. Um, I, so Teen Wolf does that. And the thing that it does that, again, so many teen movies do is that it doesn't ever give the wrong person any character traits except like hot (laughs) like his interest in pam is purely because she's hot and again that is true of the age i get it but and and, and teen wolf is not the only movie that's guilty of it it's just always strange to see so many movies where the character is so obsessed with the wrong person and it's just based on the fact that they're hot you know and that's one of the things i give like some kind of wonderful credit for is that it then kind of says like no amanda jones is also a person with interests and a life and isn't just hot you know yeah yeah well yeah i mean like you said especially for that time period it was a uh it was definitely a a thing and not something i think we question until you know we get to be almost adults. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but, and again, as a kid, and maybe I just was a weird kid, but watching the movie, I was so just like, boof. <laughs> like, why are you? Because I was never the one to chase the person just based on how they looked. I think yeah. because of Teen Wolf. Like, I think because boof became the archetype for everything that I wanted. So, it informed the kind of person that I would pursue when I got into high school mm-hmm. and I just wanted to marry, you know, my boof. Um, but when I, did, I, I, you know, I don't remember what you said or if you said it. And what, like, when was this revelation? The boof, that this movie was oh, <laughs> like two nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like in prep for this. Yep. You rocked your world. I was like alone in the house. I was like, I got to watch Teen Wolf. I was so lazy that I checked to see if it was on Amazon Prime just so I wouldn't have to come downstairs and get the DVD. And it was, thank goodness. So I put it on and I'm watching it. And I get to that scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that scene. And suddenly everything became clear to me. It's like that shot from Jaws with the, you know, that, <laughs> right, zo- that exactly. Zolly with the, with the background. It's exactly really, really what close. it was. <laughs> you're watching the TV. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> 20 years of my life just flash in front of me. Like, oh, my God. I'm chasing Booth. <laughs> well, if for no other reason, this cast was important. <laughs> right? I really came to understand something about myself. Well, that's what we try to do here at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> talk about movies, nostalgia, and a little bit of therapy. And unlock those hidden <laughs> compartments in your brain to make you realize that 
you know. Well, that's the thing. Well, but you know, in a way, that's the beautiful thing about art, and especially for I think our generation and the kinds of people we are being like in love with movies, is that they do form us. You know, they are very formative. I mean, you know, talking to people on Twitter that are in their early twenties or even late teens, I tell them, you know, like uh, having the book and and having like horror fans just follow me just basically because of that. And then like tweeting with them and stuff. I always say to someone that's like 19, 20, I'm like, I envy you so much because you have no idea that like the movies you're going to watch, like in the next two years are going to be the movies that you love forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like at least that's the way it was for me. I mean, of course there was like teen wolf and there were the movies that I grew up with. But then when I got to film school with Dion and, and other people that I was at school with there, and then I dove into horror. I mean, it was like when I saw uh, Dead Ringers and and Repulsion, and even like Maniac and Martin, and uh, like those those are God told me to by Larry Cohen. Like these are all the movies that I still kind of love to this day. And it was because it was like I was a sponge, just like waiting for them <laughs> to, <laughs> to be absorbed into me. Did you ever have an experience with a movie? This is a little bit off topic from Teen Wolf but um, did you ever have an experience with a movie where like you finally you catch up to a movie years after maybe it's been deemed a classic and like I think I just was talking about this on we did a show on Alien Covenant and the first time I saw Alien I liked it you know I didn't have any problems with Alien but so much of my viewing was just finally being like oh okay that's alien because I had heard so much about it, even though I saw it years ago, it was more about like understanding what it was finally in terms of how it had been hyped up. And it wasn't until a few years had gone by and I watched the movie a few more times that I actually became able to kind of understand its greatness. There are other movies that are classics that, sees me right away as being great but for some reason some of the movies that i love more than a lot of other movies escape from new york is another one the warriors is another one it took me a few viewings and not because i didn't like it at first but because those first one or two viewings were more just about being like oh okay so that's what this is and then i could start to fall in love with that i don't know if i'm not i'm not articulating it right but did you ever have an experience like that you know, I'm sure I have. I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. But um, for me, and this also came with age, is realizing how important timing is for movies. Like when we did Rocky, uh, we did Rocky for like a special New Year's cast a couple of years ago because Rocky, um, like, like Back to the Future is for you like Rocky is like really probably my favorite movie of all okay. time. And I grew up loving the Rocky movies. I, you know, I, I was growing up in Philadelphia until my mom got remarried and then we moved to Albany. And then the Rocky movies, especially the first one, became like a little bit of like this homesick, like, you know, being able to have a little slice of Philadelphia right. kind of thing. Uh, but then, you know, as like a teenager, you get into like Rockies three and four and you start you stop watching the first one as much because it's like the least 80s because <laughs> 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 it wasn't made in the 80s. But it's like the least kind of that kind of movie that you're that you're kind of wanting at, at uh, in your teenage years. And then 
and then flash forward, uh, you know, 20 years later, I'm in my early thirties. I'm broke. I'm, you know, trying to live in New York city and, and get editing work, <laughs> you know, trying to work in the, in, in the industry that I went to school for. I'm really down on my luck. And I hadn't watched the first Rocky since I was a teenager. And I'm flipping through the channels and Turner Classic Movies, Alec Baldwin and Robert Osborne are introducing Rocky. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch Rocky. And it completely floored me. Like, it was... By the time it was done, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, the, the difference in seeing it. I mean, I always loved it and I always found it very emotional at the end. But watching that movie when I am Rocky, like I'm in my late 30s. Right. I haven't lived up to the potential I thought I was going to live up to. <laughs> I'm down on my luck, you know. Uh, and the difference between that and seeing it when I'm 16, 17 and I got dreams and I'm going to accomplish them all in the next couple of years. It's like a totally different experience. Um, so I think timing just also has a huge, even of rewatching a movie. Like after that experience, I was like, how many other movies can I rewatch right. and have like this experience? Like when I saw 400 blows, uh, the French movie, I loved it, but when I watched it again around the same period, it meant something completely different to me, and I loved it like so much more. Yeah. Even than, you know, uh, even though it was like my favorite film of the French New Wave when I was in college, but watching it again, it's like a totally different experience. And so I think timing has a lot to do with it, and like audience. Even, I mean, even if you see something in the movie theater and you have a bad audience or you have a good one, a movie, an audience can make a movie better, like seeing it in the right. theater sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, right, right. And then you watch it again. You're like, I thought this movie was funny, but you were just like playing <laughs> off like right. the energy, like the energy in the audience makes, changes things. And it can be a horrible experience, can ruin a movie, but can also make a movie great. Um, in terms of what you're saying, I... Yes, I definitely have had that experience, but um, I can't think. I mean, even we were just talking about Silver Bullet. I mean, in a lot of ways, yes, that like it was kind of that, not that right. it's heralded as like this great movie, but it wasn't till like I said when we were talking on on your podcast it was like really it was viewing it within the last like five six years. That it was like, oh my god, I really connect with this movie in a way that I never connect with, connected yeah. with it before. And that's this is why I'm like such an advocate for rewatching movies. I talk to people sometimes who are movie fans who are like, yeah, I don't really rewatch stuff. You know, I, I'd rather watch something new. And lots of times I would too, but for exactly the reasons you're talking about, because there have been enough times where I've discovered a movie that maybe I wasn't crazy about that now I really like, or that I liked and now I love, you know, movies become different to us as we age, as things change in our lives. And I'll rewatch stuff that I wasn't crazy about before. I remember a couple of years ago in talking about, you know, the circumstances or the audience sometimes changing. Um, two examples. One, I, I've never been the world's biggest Spaceballs fans, and I know that's okay. blasphemy for some, but that was, again, <laughs> yeah. a movie I saw in 87, and there's a whole story there. We were supposed to see, like, Harry and the Hendersons. I wanted, This was our one movie, and uh, 
I wanted to see Predator, but of course that wasn't going to happen. And at the last minute, my brother was like, how about Spaceballs? And we went to see Spaceballs, and I just wasn't crazy about it. But yeah, You're like, no, that's the only movie I'm seeing this year. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Basically, yeah. Because um, there was one year where it was they, my parents were like, romancing the stone. And I'm like, I don't know who those two old people are. They're swinging on a vine on that dumb poster. Why are you taking me to this movie? And then I saw it, and I loved it. Like, it was, yeah, I yeah. loved it so much. So a couple years ago, there was... Um, like a second run theater around here that was doing a series and of repertory movies for like a dollar. So I thought, well, I'll go see Spaceballs again. And it was a movie that I never loved, but I'd only, I had seen it on TV really every time since that one theatrical experience, which I didn't really remember. And seeing it in a theater again, this isn't like, oh, suddenly I loved Spaceballs. Um, I, I almost liked it even less because it does this thing that so many comedies do, which is that it holds for jokes. And so if you're in a huge audience full of a theater that's laughing, that really plays. But seeing it with maybe two other people on like a Tuesday (laughs) afternoon at a dollar theater, it was like every joke died on its way from the screen to me and the audience, the distance that it had to travel. You could just watch the jokes die. Um, And then conversely, uh, I had seen Toby Hooper's The Fun House once or twice uh-huh. on DVD or cable. And then a couple of years ago, I was at a 24-hour horror movie marathon, and they screened it at like 3 a.m. So I'd already been watching movies for 15 hours. Most of the audience was either A, asleep, or B, drunk, or C, like laughing at or mocking the movie. Yeah. And yet, uh, they showed this gorgeous 35-millimeter print, and it became a different movie to me completely. And now it's one of my very favorite horror movies ever. Um, and all because of that weird, you know. So there there was a circumstance where, like, so many things were working against the movie. And yet it it was able to overcome all that. And I completely loved it. So, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the, of the fun house but you're uh you know you're a self-proclaimed you know diehard toby hooper fan so i am but i think it was that was almost the movie that then i was like oh wait a second you know what i mean like i had dug texas chainsaw and texas chainsaw 2 and even life force to an extent but i think it was that sort of transformative viewing of the fun house that made me go all the way in on toby hooper and really revisit all of his films and 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 started changing the way that i perceived a lot of his work so it was like that made me a huge Toby Hooper fan and not being a huge Toby Hooper fan made me love the fun house. If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I love fun. I'm also a big life force fan, but I also have to admit that I haven't seen life force in a long time. But oh, it was another up. movie that I just saw like at the right time I was in college and I was like, look, you know, it was my love for horror in a lot of ways. Um, I was a John Carpenter fan and I liked horror movies before I got to film school, but I do realize, like, in retrospect, looking back at my time at film school, that in a lot of ways my embracing of horror movies was a little bit of a rebellious thing. You know, sitting and watching, you know, all these foreign movies and the history of movies, and I I did like them all, but in in some ways it was like I needed something of my own to latch on to at that time period. And so I started watching all kinds of horror, and that's when I fell in love with David Cronenberg and Dario Argento and... 
and all that stuff and the fun and uh, life force was just one of those movies that will always be like in my head i'll always be like watching it in that dorm room <laughs> <laughs> you know with my roommate at the time and being like this movie's fucking weird well that's yeah like if you see enough movies and both of us see a lot of movies like a movie like Life Force comes along, and you're like, well, that's not like anything else. How can I not yeah, love, yeah. you know, like, or an Argento or a Cronenberg, these movies that just stand out from everything else. How do you not embrace that, you know? Yeah, weird. I would nowadays, I, I say weird goes a long way with me. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, even like a movie, you know, like Splice that came out a, a few years ago with Adrian Brody. I like it. It, it's like I, was, I saw that at the movies, and I yeah. was like, God, "I was like, thank God this movie came out at like in the movie theater." <laughs> right. like, somebody was like, "Yeah, sure, throw it on a thousand screen." <laughs> <laughs> somebody on a podcast that I listened to, and I don't remember which one, has described going on a date to see that movie and it just dooming that relationship. <laughs> By the time they get to what happens at the end of that movie, that it just soured the relationship immediately. But yeah. The whole thing of viewing movies and timing and and all that stuff, it's I find it really fascinating, and that's why I agree with you that it's kind of important to rewatch things, especially if you were kind of you didn't hate it, but you were lukewarm about it the mm -hmm. first time, because you might end up disliking it now, but you might end up like loving it. I mean, it might end up being something that you really fall in love with all of a sudden. Um, like Teen Wolf, for instance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, right, there are these movies like Teen Wolf where, like, rewatching it is not going to, it's not going to give me any new insight. It's not, re well, except for the most important insight <laughs> I've ever had. Apparently. Yes, I mean, you're, you're already <laughs> I'm contradicting yourself. I mean, this but is... But, like, the, you know... It's not a movie where I'm going to be like, oh, I suddenly see things in this that I didn't necessarily see before, or, oh, now I think this movie's garbage, and how did I ever like this? Like, I'm only ever going to watch it as my eight-year-old self, you know? I, you can't divorce yourself from your nostalgic affection for a movie. As much as I may look at something like The Goonies and be like, yeah, I understand, everyone, that it doesn't work on paper, and it's a lot of kids going, ah! Um, <laughs> you can't... You yeah. can't ever not be eight years old and watching that movie again, you know? I, I don't think. So I, if you come to it as an adult, you may be like, what is the big deal with this movie? Why does everyone like it? But when you're watching these movies that you saw as a kid, um, I think you either gain new appreciation for them if, like, some of the movies that we were talking about on, the, on F This Movie... We were talking about, you know, some of the dark kind of fantasy stuff that came out in the 80s. Like, now you can watch it and almost have new appreciation for it. But I I can't think of many instances where I suddenly liked a movie way less. Because at worst, it's just a trip down memory lane. You know, it's not yeah, like, yeah. oh, this does not hold up. Like, worst case scenario is I'm watching it again as my eight-year-old self. Best case scenario is like, oh, this movie's so much weirder and cooler than I ever gave it credit for. But I can't think of many movies that I would revisit. Movies that I was like totally indifferent towards. Like, you know, if I were to rewatch uh, even like Father Like Son, also directed by Rod Daniel. You know, that was a movie I never really cared for. So if I rewatched it now, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's still no good. But uh, I can't think of a movie that I really liked as a kid that suddenly I would watch now and be like, oh, gross, no. 
if I watch Teen Wolf, I can be objectively like, oh, this movie's not that great. It's not put together very well. It feels cheap. They're repeating shots. Uh, but none of that, <laughs> none of that really matters, you know. Because again, worst case scenario is I'm eight years old, uh, erasing over this with the Cosby Show and hating my life. That's- so was your was your obsession with Michael J. Fox strictly Back to the Future, or were you like a big Family Ties? Fan? Oh no, it, like- it, it started because of Family Ties. So when Back to the Future came out, I was already on board the MJF train and like I here's the thing um I loved Michael J Fox here's another uh, another revealing moment um my first childhood crush pre-booth my first uh-huh. ever childhood crush was Nancy McKeon on the facts of life okay kind of a booth type uh so you I'm painting a picture now and <laughs> uh so kind of girl next door kind of tomboy um and they played Joe. Correct. And they did a pair of TV movies together. This is another instance like Teen Wolf where all of a sudden somebody is following everything that I love and just plugging Michael J. Fox into all of it because they did a (laughs) pair of TV movies. One was called high school USA and one was called poison Ivy in which they played essentially romantic interests of one another. And it was like watching Again, as a child wanting to be Michael J. Fox and just imagining him as my avatar, I got to see him date Nancy McKean and become a werewolf. And I was like, these are all the things I want to do. This is so great. So, yeah, Yeah. I was Michael J. Fox uh, going back to family ties. I was way into. And then he became a big Hollywood doctor in a small town. That's right. Which is something you always wanted to do also. Of course. Of course I did. I became yeah uh, yeah well that's you know that's that's interesting when he made bright lights big city i developed a horrible coke addiction <laughs> he's a whole really thing good in that he is good in that yeah, he's uh that's uh it, it, it was you know every once in a while you get an actor that plays a part where you're like huh like i didn't wouldn't you know you wouldn't have thought somebody was Somebody was brave enough to go like against type. Well, he had kind of his, uh, that was kind of his dark period, his casualties of war, light of day, bright lights, big city. It was like him stretching and being like, look, I'm a grown up actor. And then uh, none of those really set the world on fire. So he went back to like for love or money and life with Mikey, which are (laughs) not great. uh, (laughs) What's the one with the. Greedy, greedy, yeah. greedy. Oh, it's greedy. All right, <laughs> classic. Yeah, but uh, it's you know this movie comes out in 1985, just post Back to the Future. So when it came out, he had both the number one and number two movies. I know, isn't office. that crazy? <laughs> America had Michael J. Fox fever. And it, the movie made 80... I could not believe this, obviously. I was looking some stuff up. This made $80 million. <laughs> like, it made 80 times its budget. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure they were... Th- I'm sure, like, having Back to the Future coming out at first, you know, the producers or whatever were like, oh, shit, now we got to push back our release date. And then they were like, 
probably saw Back to the Future and like, thank God we pushed it back our release date. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that <laughs> that eighty million is mostly owed to Back to the Future. So I think Michael J. Fox is the only one who probably was like not thrilled about it because like, guys, I'm in the biggest movie of the year. Have you seen this poster? I have hairy hands and I'm pulling open a shirt that says Teen Wolf. Uh, but everybody well, else, like, I'm sure, was thrilled. Well, like even overseas, like in Italy, they changed because they dub, they they just dub everything. So in Italy, they changed his name from Scott to Marty. <laughs> Did Boof stay? Uh, God, I hope. I no. don't think Boof there's an Italian translation for Boof. <laughs> hey, and then the Boof. And then Brazil, they changed the title of the movie, whatever the you know whatever like the Portuguese title is, but like the translation is the translation of the title for. Teen Wolf in in Brazil when it came out was the uh, the boy of the future. <laughs> Wait a second. Does this mean that we're all going to become werewolves eventually? <laughs> they could be. It's uh, he's part of the we step in evolution, and eventually we're all gonna have the mutant gene. Um, I uh, was also a Jason Bateman fan. Not to the extent that I yeah, was yeah. a Michael J. Fox fan, because please, but uh, and well, so you the, know, H- Hogan Valerie's family slash Hogan's family was not as big of a hit as right. It was no family, family ties, ties, but uh, I was a Jason Bateman fan, and so again, when he was cast in the sequel, I was like, yes, this makes sense. Of course, somebody <laughs> is reading my diary. Um, and so I remember that one I did see theatrically because. They opened a second run theater like down the street from my house. So now I was old enough that I could walk there. And as long as the movie was PG, um, I could go without my parents. And so the Friday that it opened, I, of course, you know, at the second run theater. So it had already been out for a month or two. I, of course, you know, ran to the theater to see Teen Wolf 2. And it was another one of those experiences. I was, I guess, 10 at that point where I was like. I enjoyed that because it's Jason Bateman and werewolves, but I know that movie's not that good. Um, yeah, that movie's, uh, I don't know, an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like we would say you can't catch lightning twice, but that means calling Teen Wolf lightning. Yeah. Well, it's just like the whole thing was like Jason Bateman's dad wanted to be a producer. So, I, to my recollection, I mean, I didn't research Team Wolf 2. No, I didn't really either. I only researched the first Team Wolf. But to my recollection, it's like his dad really wanted to be a producer, so he somehow optioned the rights to make the th- the second, and then he... So it was... And it crazy. cost... I'm looking, at, I'm looking at it right now. It cost three times as much as Teen Wolf, and grossed one-tenth of what Team Wolf grossed. It cost about three million and made just under eight. Yes. Well, you know, it's in that rare, it's got that rarefied air of, you know, sequels that use the T-O-O instead of the <laughs> right, number two. Right. He, he's, t- he's Teen Wolf also, <laughs> which is true. Oh, yeah. He is also, a t- it runs in the family. Um, and I think a lot of people that don't, a lot of people that are just a few years younger than us have no idea that there was a Saturday morning cartoon show. No. There were so many like movies that had Saturday morning cartoon shows that I think people would be surprised to discover. But yeah, Teen Wolf was was one of them. And I remember and I re- watching it, but I don't remember anything about it. 
I just remember that it's not very close to the movie. I mean, he lives with like a whole family. His whole family's werewolves. There's like grandpa werewolf See, and grandma werewolf. Is there a boof? I don't remember if there's a boof or not. Uh, because I an- just remember- animated boof is something I could go for. <laughs> well, even kids that are younger than us don't even remember Saturday morning cartoons, probably. No, because it doesn't exist anymore. It's very upsetting. Well, kids, <laughs> <laughs> when we grew up, on Saturday mornings, there was cartoon shows on every channel. There was no, like, today's show Saturdays or Good Morning America Saturday. It was all cartoon shows. And the reason why I remember the Teen Wolf show the most is because it was on at, like, 11 or 11.30. So it was, like, the last cartoon show on that channel before it switched over to not being, right. like, Saturday right, right, morning right. cartoons anymore. And whatever was not... Whatever was going on on the other channels didn't appeal to me because I remember, like, really not liking the Teen Wolf cartoon show, but watching it every Saturday just because <laughs> it was the it was like the last cartoon on that day. Uh, well, here's some here's some interesting facts for you about the Teen Wolf cartoon. I'm gonna um, the uh, the the plot summary from Wikipedia. It's about a teenage boy and his family who can transform into werewolves. They live in the fictional town of Wolverton. A small town that draws tourists because of werewolf sightings. Despite the youth audience, the cartoon series delivered very powerful critiques of disability as civil rights. Hmm. I don't remember that. Um, James Hampton did return to voice the dad. Uh, Styles was voiced by Don Most. Ralph okay. Malf. Uh, <laughs> there was a boof. And Craig Sheffer voiced Mick, Scott's nemesis at Wolverton High and the boyfriend of Pamela Wells. And who voiced Scott? Scott is voiced by Townsend Coleman, who also voiced Michelangelo on the Ninja Turtles and Wayne Gretzky on Pro Stars. Oh, remember Pro Stars? I don't, actually. You don't remember Pro Stars? No. Well, Pro Stars... Uh, Patrick was. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of remember it existing, but I was so yeah. It's Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, they were like a superhero team of. Uh, they couldn't do all. You know, they didn't want to have four, so they got Bo Jackson, who played both baseball and football. <laughs> I was rarely on board when real people got their own cartoons. I did not watch the yeah. MC Hammer cartoon. I did not watch Mr. T. I was not on board for Camp Candy. Interesting. Yeah, uh, there was a weird. There was some weird times there with with cartoons. <laughs> uh, Do you love so and so from the real world? <laughs> now he has a cartoon. Like, no, stop it. The uh, Pro Stars one was on around the same time as Captain N, which was bringing all your favorite. Nickel, uh, Nintendo, Nintendo, yeah, and I sort of remember that, but again, world. I didn't, I wasn't into sports, so I didn't watch Pro Stars, and I didn't have a Nintendo, so I don't think I watched Captain N. What the hell was I doing? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> were you at least watching Say by the Bell, which was oh, came please, on after those? Oh boy, was I watching Say by the Bell? <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a show I know very well. Yeah, Say by the Bell is to this day one of my favorite shows. Now looking back on it, it could have used a Teen Wolf. <laughs> there was how do they never have one episode where like there's a new kid at school. He's acting kind of funny. What? He's a werewolf? Let's learn. 
this this show incorporates powerful messages of disability as civil rights. Let us learn to appreciate this new kid, Scott Howard, from Wolverton High. Now, you, allu- you alluded to earlier that there was plans to make a third Teen Wolf movie. Yes. That Guess who was going in- to star? It was going to be my my greatest love. <laughs> Mine too. My, my first crush. Probably my second because she's another fucking Nancy McKean boof. There was a long period of time that if you asked my mom, like, who was Blake's first crush? She'd be like, it was the girl from Who's the Boss. Yes. Like, she didn't know her by name, but she... No, Blake she loved the girl from Who's the Boss. I, I even had a crush on her just based on Commando. So Alyssa Milano, so I would have been all on board. On Again, someone three. in this Teen Wolf universe <laughs> was reading my diary. They just kept doing, like, what would this one kid want to see? All right, we'll do that. And it would have been another movie where, like you said, with Teen Witch, it was just all about being popular. So she would have had, like, glasses on in the beginning of the movie. Right. And, uh, you know, overall. So it would have been much like uh, whatever that movie with... She's all that. She's all that. It would have yeah. been she's all that, but with the werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was missing from she's all that. What I'm starting to discover is so many teen properties. We're really just one werewolf short of greatness. <laughs> it would have been like she's all teen wolf. Right. Pretty and pink. Make Ducky a werewolf. You would have gotten the girl at the end if you Well, he werewolf. ended up with Christy Swanson. So listen, Ducky's doing just fine. <laughs> Ducky is fine. Could have been a werewolf. Still landed Christy Swanson. But uh, I'm glad that you had this revelation on this <laughs> recent viewing of Teen Wolf. I'll tell you, it was. It's something that I've like always weirdly known about myself. But seeing watching Teen Wolf, I was like, I'm pretty sure this was the genesis of it. Like, I don't think specifically Boof informed the kind of girl that I had crushes on because I was into Joe Palnchek because I was into Alyssa Milano when she was a tomboy, like before she went all glam on Who's the Boss and became <laughs> yeah. like just a regular popular girl. I was like, no, 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 go back to being the tomboy. That's the one I'm into. Yeah. Um, but definitely like the realization of this whole idea of like we're friends and we realize something, you know, the whole, the whole walk home, that is something I've just romanticized in my head so many times. Well, I think, you know, it's a, I think that is something at least I do. I mean, I think, I think most of us probably relate to like the friend zone thing. At least I, I I certainly do. There was plenty of girls that I liked in high school and junior high that, you know, I was just the friend, and that's all there was to it. I was, I was the boof. <laughs> well, right, that's the thing. It's like in this situation, you're the boof. Like I wanted to be the Scott, but have a boof. Because <laughs> I've definitely been the boof. I know, but if you were the Scott, you wouldn't have known, right, to have the boof, to want the boof. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's, you I'm know, so it's... glad her name is Boof, just so that we can keep saying "Chasing Boof." I'm the Boof. <laughs> it's gonna be a whole series. Your 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 memoir your memoir is "Chasing Boof." My memoir is "I'm the Boof." I was the Boof. 
I wish I knew the origins of naming her Boof. Yeah, I don't know. It seems um, like the kind of thing where like a screenwriter like, yeah, I knew this girl when I was a kid and we all called her Boof. So I <laughs> called this kid. Because it's not even, <laughs> her name is like Lisa something Italian, right? Uh, In Marconi or something. Yeah, Boof. right. Her, like, her Boof is not a play. Radio. <laughs> Boof. There's no, it's not like her name is Lisa Buffaroni and they call her <laughs> Boof for short. <laughs> I don't know where Buffaroni. Boof comes from. When I was uh, when I was in 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 college, and I was very good friends with um, this guy named Chris, who uh, got brought up brought up slightly on on the Silver Bullet cast because he's one of the Pink Smoke guys. But, oh yeah, uh, we I would sit there and talk to him about high school, and I went to a huge high school. I mean, my high school graduating class was like bigger than my college graduating class. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but it was it was gigantic, and. Uh, but every but like there was all these weird names like uh, Kelly Petrie Antonio and there's all like That's very, a mouthful. <laughs> Call her Boof. Like very like big names and then uh, you know then I'd be telling about this a girl that I I had a crush on where I was the Boof and her name was like Annette Stead and uh, Chris was like Stead like is it, shouldn't it be like Stead Latagliosa or something <laughs> six syllables short. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, 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 nobody in your high school has a name like that. It's got to be like Stella Tagliosa. Uh, when I was in, I want to say it was probably like sixth grade. Somehow, Boof caught on as like a euphemism for sex. Like, interesting. Those two are gonna boof, and so then all of a sudden. You're like, no, don't use that. Yeah, all of a sudden it was like, wait, when I watch Teen Wolf, are they saying a dirty word this whole time? Like, is she named after the, <laughs> she really the physical act of love? Boof's the slut. We just don't see any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, did they name her Boof? Because that's what I want to do to her? Boof. It right. is It is amazing. But also, you know, he got Styles. Right. Oh, we didn't even so, talk about style. It it is a movie of nicknames. Chubby. Come on, come on. They call him Chubby. Yeah. One of the things you know, I was saying when I was a dick and when I was in high school, there was this kid, and I won't mention him by name because I, I don't. You know, I, I'm sure he doesn't want to be brought up. But uh, there's this kid, and I was friends with him. He was like friends with my group of friends, and. He wasn't even really fat, but he was a little heavier than the rest of us. And for some reason, I started calling him Chunky. Chunk. And then yeah. that came, that like stuck. Yeah. And now I, I look back and and uh, I think about like, what an asshole I was to that kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I even like, you know, back in like the MySpace days, like I found him on MySpace and I just messaged him like an apology. I realized I didn't realize at the time, but I realized how much of a dick I was, and I, I'm sorry he never responded. No, to me. no. <laughs> I tried to make amends, but you you're, know, you're still on his Steve Buscemi list. I was like, I was a bully. Yeah, a it's the '80s were so weird, though. Like things, and I'm not making excuses for it because I'm positive. Like I said things or called people names that now I would cringe if I realized, you know. But like, no one questioned the fact that this character's name was chubby you know and now it would just be 
endless think pieces and like it would never get past draft Monster, one. Monster Squad, the kill the kid fat kid. Exactly. Like <laughs> Yo what? fat kid fart. <laughs> right. What is this? <laughs> but like it's the eighties. It's cool. Uh so while now you realize that like Chunk probably wasn't like Hey man, it's the eighties. It's cool. Call me Chunk. <laughs> He's like he was like, this isn't even the eighties. This is the early nineties, man. <laughs> then you should have known better. <laughs> that was no longer in fashion by the nineties. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, styles. Anything you need to say about styles? I, know, because... I just I'm sure I like thought he was okay. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me let me open up. Even further, <laughs> because <laughs> all right, this I feel like we're making some progress here. <laughs> I definitely remember sitting at my kitchen table in the morning. I would have been about ten. This was before I saw Teen Wolf two, but I knew that it existed. So I think it's like in the window between when they started running trailers for Teen Wolf two and when I saw it. I definitely would sit at my kitchen table before school in the morning writing my script for Teen Wolf 3. Uh-huh. And the, the the gimmick was that it was hockey. <laughs> I was like, well, what other <laughs> nice. sport can we do? And in my head, we were going to shoot this at my elementary school. Yeah, And we didn't have a football field. We didn't have a baseball field. We had a gym. So I was like, well, hockey then. Um, and I definitely was writing myself to be styles like i was always a weirdo where like i would come up with these ideas but then not want to take the center stage thing you know the center role i would always like and i'll be this little side thing um so i definitely think at that age i thought like styles was fun and cool um but now i watch it i'm like i don't think you know you can't get away with wearing a shirt that says what are you looking at dick nose (laughs) and he's looking for weed and insisting that scott be the wolf i'm like styles is a terrible influence (laughs) well you know there there's a weird um styles has i feel like when you watch it now and you think about it like styles has a weird position in like the class system of the cliques in high school. Cause he's like Scott's best friend minus, you know, other than Boof. Um, but yet he's clearly like, you know, and he shows up with the keg and he's a bit of a loser because they already have a million kegs and he can't get a keg. But then once the party goes, like he's the life of the party. He's the MC of that party. <laughs> <laughs> so he's clearly popular. And what are these high school parties that are just weird Caligula orgies <laughs> where they're pouring jello in people's shirts? What is happening at these high school parties? Yeah, I never had a high school party like that. Unfortunately, I don't even think I had a high school party, so... <laughs> I have no frame of reference, I guess. I only remember going to one party. I've said many times on the podcast that me and my friends were, we were, you know, film geeks in that, right. like, we just made movies. Right. That, that's what we did. We had movie sleepovers. Right. That's what you wanted and, to do. Like, it's Friday. We, I don't want to go to a party. I can rent six movies. Yeah. Or, like, I'll go grab the camera and we'll make, right. you know, a, a Hitman movie. Right. <laughs> We'll make we'll do a Quentin Tarantino ripoff. Tonight. We did a lot of slasher movies, <laughs> and uh, so that's what we did. But there was one party that I went to, um, and it wasn't anything like the one in this. There was uh, no movie, Jello to be found. 
there was no jello there was no uh whipped cream covered people trying to untie each other on the yeah, floor right? like, what is happening <laughs> no one shoved me in a closet with anyone least of all no, my boof there was no boof there was nothing I definitely had a booth like in junior high school. And when I finally got up the nerve to like ask her out, she just laughed at me and it hurts. So she wasn't booth. Well, was I guess Pam. not. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe she was Pam. <laughs> she was your Pam all along. You oh, thought she was your booth. Uh, but yeah, styles. And then I, it's been so long since I've seen the second one. Don't they keep the character of Styles but recast him in the second Correct. one? Correct. He's recast by uh, with Stuart. Shit, what's his last name from Ski School? Um, oh my gosh, he was on like a bunch of TV shows, and I'm so upset that I cannot think of his name. Stuart. Hankin. No, that's not right. <laughs> anyway, Stuart, we apologize. Yeah, right? He's like, you guys, I was <laughs> fairly famous for a few years in the 80s. Stuart Fratkin? Yeah, Stuart Fratkin. Um, I love that they have like the full name for the characters, like Boof is Lisa Boof, Marconi. Right. Jer- uh you know, Styles is Rupert, Styles Stalinsky. Again, I could see the origin of Styles there. Yeah, yeah. I do not understand where Boof comes from. Boof, you know, um, it came from that uh, when they were little, her little sister couldn't say Lisa. <laughs> it came out as Boof. <laughs> and so uh, they just called her. Um, Boof, and it's just kind of stuck as a family nickname. I'm trying to remember what the show. Yeah, it was. That's what I thought it was. It was Beans Baxter. Did you ever watch Beans Baxter? I don't think I watched Beans Baxter. It was like one of the first Fox original shows. Um, I think it was created by Savage Steve Holland. It was, and Stuart Fracken played like the. He was like the Styles on that show. He was like the buddy. Um. But he showed up in a bunch of stuff I used to watch as a kid. He was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares that I saw a couple times, and he was in Ski yeah. School. So, But he was always also secretly JV Styles. I'm sure that he must have been on an episode of 21 Jump Street. Uh, I'm going to look, because it sure seems like that would be... Because you know right who was on an episode? You know who was on an episode of 21 Jump Street? Styles? Boof. Boof? <laughs> yeah. What episode? <laughs> Susan or Ur- 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 City. Right. I can't remember specifically what episode. Oh the viewer gosh. the viewers, the listeners of this show know that um I at some point signed a contract with uh, the the estate of uh Stephen J. Canaler to that I'm contractually obligated to mention Twenty One Jump Street <laughs> on every episode of the show. <laughs> I am a fan of Twenty One Jump Street. Okay. <laughs> and so this was a perfect uh this was a perfect opportunity because style, <laughs> I mean, because Boof is in an episode of 21 Jump Street. OMG. Wait. All right. Two for the road. I'm looking it up right now. What episode is two for the road? It's about drunk driving. Of course. Captain Fuller gets a DUI. Well, I don't remember. It's season two. I'm going to pull my DVDs out tonight yeah, and watch Fuller, this episode. If I remember Fuller is out on a date and he had like one drink or two drinks of wine. 
and then they get pulled over and he's like, oh, you know, hey, you know, going through the motion. I remember this episode. I just don't remember who Booth plays in it because he's like, oh, you know, he's playing to the to the to the cop. Like, sure, I'll show you my license. And then he ends up getting a DUI. Also in the same episode, Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley was on like five episodes. And Pauly Shore. <laughs> oh, it's the Pauly Shore. Because Jason Priestley is also in the episode with like the punks. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's one of the punks in that episode. That's one of the joys of watching old Twenty One Jump Streets. Is like, oh look who's on this week. It's Tracy Lind from Fright Night Two playing like <laughs> a Russian exchange student who's secretly slutty. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real you know pr- there was one time I was working on a show last summer. Um, uh, you probably don't this, but by day when I'm not podcasting, <laughs> I I uh, I edit reality TV shows. And uh, I was working on a show last summer, and uh, this guy came into the office, and he was – he came into the office like every day for a week. And um, I was like, that guy looks so familiar. So I went to the the woman who was running – the boss of the company, and I said, is that guy an actor? And she's like, yeah, yeah, he was in – he used to be on a soap opera. And I was like, uh, I think he was on an episode of 21 Jump Street. <laughs> She's like, really? It's like I'm pretty sure he was on an episode of Twenty One Jump Street. She's like, maybe. He's also in uh, the Blob, which I know. The remake? He, he, yeah, the, the this guy. He's I think he's the guy that's making out with the girl in the car. Oh, he's also definitely on a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, exactly but it was that guy. But yeah, I yeah. was like, uh, I know because you've instructed all of your listeners to message us the word blob. Do they ever is, do it? I think it's only been like one or two. Come on, everyone. <laughs> what the hell? I know. Goddamn you listeners. <laughs> 21 Jump Street is great because I'll watch Real Genius and I'm like, whatever happened to Mitch? How come he was never in anything else? And then I rewatch 21 Jump Street and I'm like, oh wait, he did an episode of 21 Jump Street. He tries to steal something and give it to holly robinson right it's the episode where they like steal the car from the mall oh yeah yeah and she thinks well, it's I'm, him. I'm so pleased that you're a fan of 21 jump street because oh as, yes as our listeners know and are sick of at this point <laughs> <laughs> that i literally talk about 21 jump street on every episode of this show because it is my favorite show of all time it's a good one although i've never seen the last season and you know it's like I've... the dvd is like out of print so you can't get it I've rewatched all of them. I've rewatched Twenty One Jump Street several times, okay. but I've only watched season five like once. Yeah, <laughs> because Depp leaves at the end of four, right? And then they do a crazy thing where they try to start up with a new cast for like one or two episodes, and then they just reset it again with like a whole new cast. And Peter DeLuise only shows up for a couple of episodes, but yet the younger DeLuise, who's in Wayne's World. He right. becomes like the new Peter DeLuise. Right. Nope. Not buying uh, it. Didn't buy it when it was Saved by the Bell, the new class. Not <laughs> buying it here. I, I did go with the college years, but I did not. Oh, go of course. That was, the, oh, that was the OG cast. Of course you're going to watch him go to college. Of course you're going to be like, you, how could you date Jeremiah Lasky? He's your teacher. <laughs> well, the reason why Saved by the Bell worked, and I think it's the thing that nobody really took into account when they did the new class, when they tried to do California dreams or whatever that basketball one was when they're trying to like re they were trying to capture the lightning of what 
Uh, Ooh, USA High. Do you remember USA High? Is that one the one where it's like there was one on where they're on a cruise ship? Is that USA High? I think they were like in France. Interesting. And I don't even know if it showed on NBC. I think it might have just been like on USA, <laughs> like the cable <laughs> network, <laughs> like in syndication, like daily. But the thing that nobody ever figured out that what worked so much about Say by the Bell was Say by the Bell was not about a group of friends. It was about Zach Morris right. and his group of friends. Right, right, right. And so none of the other shows had a Zach Morris where they talked to the camera, where it was like he was our conduit into the in, into Bayside High. <laughs> well, and that <laughs> The, the the charm of a Mark Paul Gosseler comes around once in a lifetime. Like the idea that they're going to find another yeah. Mark Paul Gosseler is yeah. is insane. Well, they must have just known that like it wouldn't have worked with anybody else, right? It's like, tr- it's, it's, it's like it's like trying to recast Michael J. Fox with Jason Bateman. Like <laughs> he's a poor man's Howard. <laughs> well, Boxing you know. is not the same. And again, it That's lacks. Right. It lacks because the. I, I believe it's been a long time since I rewatched that movie. The love interest in that movie is a girl that he meets like at college, right? And that's I would not. Imagine so yeah. that's not the same. Like you said, that that the the relationship between him and Booth that goes all the way back to childhood is sort of the lifeblood of Teen Wolf. And since there is no. That emotional center is not there in Teen Wolf 2. We don't care if, like, oh, he met a new girl. So what? If they break up, they just met. Like, we're not invested <laughs> there's in no, that. There's no boof. Exactly. It's a total boofless movie. <laughs> and I just like saying the word boof <laughs> so much <laughs> that I will drag this cast out yeah. for another half an hour. Just, just a talk few about more other in. movies that boof could have been in. You know what we should talk about? Is the uh, original basketball montage, not the end one, the sort of inspirational one where the movie just is like, we forgot we're a comedy and we're just going to play out a game of basketball and then end on a high note. Um, It's like the one where he first becomes the werewolf and he's really Mm -hmm. good at basketball. And there's that song playing that's like fake Randy Newman. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's not that good. Faux Newman. (laughs) Right. You might think it's a big <laughs> catastrophe. Uh, it is It is a, a bad approximation of Randy Newman. Yeah, well, it is kind of amazing how instantly everybody accepts the wolf. I mean, we kind of, we, we were going to talk about it earlier. I feel like we were going to go down that road and then we got <laughs> sidetracked. Not only do they accept him, but they're pro-wolf. This is way better than that Michael J. Fox character. <laughs> there's like decency there's a good maybe maybe a minute and a half where everybody's like what right a, 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 what happened and then they're like all right he's good he's good at basketball <laughs> and every once in a while they hint that like oh and this guy's capable of murder when he freaks out at the bowling alley uh it's you know people are scared for a second but then they're just like yeah do the wolf dance we're all doing the wolf dance and they have the one character uh the matt adler character who is yeah kind of afraid of him yeah yeah but i feel like there's more there's more there that i don't know either didn't get shot yeah he might have got on the cutting room floor out of the movie 
you know, Matt Adler, he's probably the most Saturday night movie sleepover out of anybody in this cast. Really? Because he's like, he's in Flight of the Navigator. Right. He's in North Shore. He's in Whitewater Summer. <laughs> dream a Little Dream? Is he's that, in Dream a Little Dream. Does that make the, the cast? I will, yes. If there's, if there's a Corey in it, then at least one Corey. Listen, you got two Corys there and a <laughs> Meredith Salinger. Peak <laughs> Meredith Salinger. As long as there's one Corey, it's Saturday Night Movie <laughs> Sleepover material. If there's two, it's like, you know, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So, yeah, Matt Adler, he's... Uh, and we did Fly to the Navigator on the show nice. very early on. So uh, make sure you... Ch- and I'm a big fan of North Shore. And Whitewater Summer is a fucking crazy movie. That is a crazy movie. <laughs> and... I I don't, I've never do seen North Shore, but uh, it's a surf movie, right? But I've never. I remember seeing Whitewater Summer and being mostly alarmed at the weird reshoot at the opening and closing, where Sean Astin is, I don't know, five years older than he is in yeah, the rest he seems of the movie. So much older. Just adult Sean Astin shows up to fill us in on what he's been up yeah. to. Like he's like that was one crazy Whitewater <laughs> Summer, right? That guy wanted to kill us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the Mad Ad, the Lewis character, yeah, he's he's not on board with the wolf. No, but then that doesn't really go anywhere. No, it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, just, it just sits there and you wonder. And Scott wonders. He's like, yeah, Lewis is avoiding yeah, it, right? What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. It's because you're a werewolf? <laughs> He's the only one with any goddamn sense. <laughs> Him and Boof, of course. Yeah. Well, Boof's like not. She just likes Scott better. Right. She's just disappointed in the, wer- in the wolf. <laughs> right. She's not like disgusted or scared of it. She's just yeah. kind of like. Not impressed. Not impressed by the wolf. But uh, good old teen wolf. It's. um definitely a classic of uh especially of of the movies of the werewolf movies that came out in 1985 <laughs> it is certainly among the two best <laughs> i would agree with that <laughs> and maybe the most successful werewolf comedy ever made that could be right could i mean be. it's really that or full moon high or like then we get into like my stepmother is a werewolf and like some disney channel shit but uh uh, yeah, I mean, or is it my mother's a werewolf? Not my stepmother. My mother's well, a werewolf. You know, I'm sure the the Wolfman shows up in those old, uh, you know, Abbott and Costello Universal movies. I don't know how well those did. Uh, but if you, with exchange rate involved, sure. No, I'm sure they. I, I'm, I'm guessing they did pretty. And there, it's a better movie, but I don't. That's more of a monster mashup, more of a monster squad than it is a straight Wolfman comedy. Well. I'm glad that this was therapeutic for you. It really Patrick. was. Because I, by the way, I hadn't thought about writing Teen Wolf 3 in, I don't know, 30 years. <laughs> like, until we were talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, once I tried to write Teen Wolf 3. Yeah. But then when you were researching this, you realized, like, yeah, Alyssa Milano. That was a way better idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I think of casting her in my hockey movie? She could have been the boof. Oh, I would have rewritten myself right out of that Styles part, let me tell you. Or suddenly uh, Styles and Boof hook up. Uh, I'm sorry, Dion wasn't able to come over for this sleepover, but I appreciate you uh, coming over, staying up late, bringing your sleeping bag, and uh, 
watching Teen Wolf with me. And my pleasure. <laughs> and uh, talking Silver Bullet because I already did Silver Bullet on this cast and I, I have nobody else to talk with Silver Bullet about. <laughs> now, you've, so. now you've talked about it on two different podcasts. That's impressive. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that was a real pleasure to revisit one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, the only uh, other thing is a trivial thing, a little trivia for y'all. That uh, you know, it's funny because when I was watching the the Teen Wolf, I was like, you know, that neighborhood looks very familiar to me. And at first, I was thinking, like, is that is that like the Strode neighborhood in Halloween? You know, like it looks very. Mm-hmm. Halloween esque. So I looked it up and they're both in South, uh, South Pasadena, but it's not the same street. But the uh, the Howard House, coincidentally, is Lorraine's house in 1955 in Back to the Future. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's the Barnes house. That's the, so he, he's in some kind of quasi yeah. altered universe. <laughs> Alternate <laughs> universe. Well, he is the boy of the future. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's just a little bit of a trivia for you. But uh, so F this movie. Tell us about uh, where everybody can find you, although I'm sure the majority of our listeners are already your listeners. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're uh, we're at FThisMovie.net. We have podcasts out each week and new written content almost every day for you readers out there. And uh, we're on Twitter at FThisMovie. You can find us in iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and we're on Facebook, although we don't have a, a ton of, you guys have a much livelier discussion going on on your Facebook than we do. Um, yeah. but you can check us out there, but yeah, uh, fthismovie.net is probably the best place to find us. It's weird how, you know, like we got nothing going on on Twitter, but our Facebook crowd is, is, is fun. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. You know, wherever, wherever you can, uh, find your fans and listeners right. is, a, is a good thing how long have you been doing after this movie oh my gosh uh seven years i think we just passed seven years and interesting i did not think it would last seven years so i'm glad that we're still here <laughs> we'll be celebrating our anniversary in september and I'm what what year is that uh third i okay. guess we'll be going into our fourth year then i think okay I'm trying to think of what our past anniversary episodes were our first episode was the punisher with Dolph lundgren nice so then we kept with the comic book theme and we did batman 89 i remember that as an anniversary and like a, show and, a, and an epic like pushing three hour episode of, <laughs> of batman uh and then i think last year we did the rocketeer okay it's a good one and uh, i'm not sure what we what we have chosen for what we're going to be doing this year, but uh, you guys should just do the Dolph Lundgren Punisher for every anniversary. <laughs> I was originally I was like, let's do a Lundgren movie for every yeah, anniversary. Yeah. Like, let's do Masters of the Universe for our first anniversary. But then we went with the comic book theme. Um, I don't know. We might branch off this year. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been one wild ride. <laughs> Uh, so uh, you have been listening to Saturday Night Movie Guestovers with special guest Patrick Bromley from F This Movie. If you want to listen to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, which I'm sure you already know where to find us because you're already listening to us right now. Uh, but we do have a, a, a Twitter account that very few people follow. 
Uh, we could always use more reviews and ratings on iTunes. And, uh, of course, you can find me at Score to Death on Twitter. And uh, you can buy Score to Death conversations with some of Horace Grace composers on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and all that jazz. This was a very special uh, guest episode and also a very special two-part Werewolf 1985 extravaganza. <laughs> and uh, next week, Dion will be back with me and we'll be kicking off the summer with a huge 80s classic. Uh, and I'm going to give just a little hint that it's one for the ladies. But I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, I want to thank Patrick once again. And later. Later.